if Caillou was in the wheelhouse of your kids, I bet you have the same take on him as I do. That whiny little brat. <laughs> Couldn't stand that show. All that kid did was complain. And then they had it was like narrated by Caillou's mom. Well, Caillou was angry. Well, did he ever learn anything? Was it like a lesson? No, because he did, it was up to his same antics next time around. <laughs> Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios, this is Wisconsin's Morning News. Here's your host, Vince Petrano. Just had that story about the sustainable fuels in the skies. Guy texted on the old National Bank talking text line. What's that smell? Just the bacon fat being burned in the fuel at the <laughs> airport. nice. Which, right. <laughs> now I'm hungry. Haven't flown so much at Chopper 4 over the years, you know, being around the airport, like jet fuel, not a good smell. No, so, not at all. Mm, smells like breakfast. <laughs> What's that line about those who do not study history are doomed to repeat it or something along Pretty that close, lines? Yeah. And it has various variations of it, but it, it is true. It occurs to me more often lately that we are still fighting the same wars. I'm moved by a particular experience that we had in New York City when we visited last week, and that was going to the 9-11 memorial. And I'm going to tie that into current events as we explore the latest on the hostage release in the Middle East. Some breaking news on that. It looks like 10 more hostages may be released today mm-hmm. in this ongoing war between Israel and Hamas. U.S. lawmakers debating aid to that conflict in support of Israel and the war in Ukraine. So let, let's get up to date first Then I'll tie this all back together. I mentioned our visit to New York, and so many families have gone through this. Maybe you just did it at Thanksgiving. Somebody came home whom you hadn't seen for a while, or you went to visit family somewhere. And for me, it was this new experience that so many of you have had already with our oldest daughter having just gone to college. Eric, I asked you, like, can you imagine not seeing your son, your oldest, for three months? No, I can't. Has never happened. Not hugging in, not being in his space with him for three months, yeah. that's coming. Because you and I have kids the same age still. <laughs> Stop right? it. And that happened to me for the first time. So we visited our, you know, we were out in New York and our daughter goes to school out there. And, you know, laying hands on her for the first time in three months was really emotional. It was emotional for her. It was for me, um, for our whole family. And so I'm thinking about that as these hostages are being released and a totally different situation. My daughter was safe. She's out there achieving her dreams, mm-hmm. going for great things. These families had young people, children, no idea, No idea what was happening to them. For 50-some days, right, being held by terrible, awful people. And what those hugs now, as they are reunited, must feel like for them. More hostages held by Hamas released as the ceasefire is now extended another couple days. More on where that stands in a moment. But first, let's talk about who is back in the arms of loved ones this morning. Among the 11 Israeli hostages released Monday, a brother and sister. They're 16 and 12 years old. And Abby Own is a family member. We know that physically they're okay. Their first reunion was with their mother. And I think that's the most critical piece of it, that they got hugs and love and the feeling of some safety after 52 days in captivity. 52 days held. Abby Owen, cousin of those children who were released, so that's her family. Hamas still holding more than 150 other people, including the father of those two children, Ofer Calderon. This is not a game. This is life or death, and we need every single one of them, Ofer among them, home now. The prospects for more hostages to be released actually look pretty good right now. As we said, the breaking news, CNN reporting now 10 more hostages expected to be released 
today, and there it's afternoon already in Israel, is it not? Well, so we have a two-day extension to the ceasefire as ceasefire well. Ceasefire extended at least two days. Yeah. Possibility it could extend beyond. Here's ABC's Justin Finch on that. President Biden saluting the leaders of Egypt, Israel, and Qatar on extending that ceasefire and saying the U.S. plans to surge more aid into Gaza and will continue working to free all Hamas-held hostages. There is a chance this extended ceasefire could go even longer. Israel saying it would agree to a one-day extension for every 10 hostages Hamas releases. So it looks like that is holding at least here on day one of the extension, right? We're hearing yes. 10. Yes. So while 10 is 10 more than we had before, it's not, not 150, everybody. right? A lot to go. And then we talked about this a little yesterday, and I want to bring it back for you. Uh, who are these Palestinians who are being released from Israeli prisons? We asked ABC's Jordana Miller about that. Now, Jordana has been reporting from Jerusalem through the duration of the war, important to note a difference here between prisoners and hostages. People being held by Hamas were violently plucked from their homes, taken off the streets, family members murdered in front of them. Jordana told us the Palestinians being released had been convicted of crimes in Israel. They're not hostages. They're people who went through a legal process and they are serving sentences. So that's clearly not the mm-hmm. same thing. And right. I want to make clear that distinction. Certainly, Some people in Gaza, some Palestinians would question the due process that they went through. I grant you that. But nonetheless, there's a difference between who is being released from Israel versus the hostages who are being released uh, at the hands of Hamas. That said, Israel has been willing to swap them out for the release of hostages. What did you say? It was like a three to one ratio. Yeah, close to three to one. And they've been all right. That's not great, but we'll take it if it means the the safe return of some Israelis and and other internationals who are being Mm -hmm. held. So that's sort of been the deal right now. And at least at this point, it looks like that is ongoing. The other important part of the ongoing ceasefire is the ability to allow much-needed aid to continue pouring into Gaza to serve the civilians who are caught in the middle of this conflict. In the West Bank, crowds filling the streets of Ramallah, celebrating the release of dozens of Palestinian prisoners and some relief amid devastation in Gaza. A United Nations convoy arriving to Al-Ali Hospital, delivering emergency medical kits, IV drips, and much-needed supplies. That's uh, ABC's Justin Finch once again. So that's not going to do it, but it's a start in terms of what the surviving civilians their need in Gaza. And there's a, that, that's a major concern. In fact, uh, John McCain's uh, widow, she's been speaking on that, saying that there's close to famine right now in Gaza, that there really needs to be an urgent move to get more aid into that country. And when you talk with, you know, I, I, I took that trip to Washington, what, two weeks now, with the delegation here from Milwaukee who joined so many others in the March for Israel on the National Mall, and to a person, every one of our local Jews I spoke with, spoke with empathy, spoke with concern about civilians who are being harmed in this conflict. And I know for many Palestinians or people of Palestinian descent that they give that a shoulder shrug, and that's not enough for them. That said, I didn't, I've didn't. i not spoken to one Jew locally here who has not expressed concern about that, and they also know that that has some bearing on world opinion sure. about what is happening. Of course. So if this aid can continue to flow into Gaza and people who are innocents caught up in this can be helped, that's a good thing for all sides. Now, I said— <laughs> In terms of what's happening in Washington, this week lawmakers are going to continue debating these funding packages for both support for Israel and the war in Ukraine. Day one when the war in the Middle East broke out, I remember you and I even before we were on the air, like, you know who the most concerned person about this is? 
beyond all of those who are obviously directly impacted? The Ukrainian president. Vladimir Zelensky. Because so much attention now has been diverted from that war, which was center of global concern until this. Mm -hmm. And so is there a danger that resources that might have gone to Ukraine could be diverted to Israel? Looks like the packages that are being debated, a lot more money being spent on Ukraine or proposed to be spent in Ukraine as opposed to Israel. Israel has the ability to stand on its own in, in and greater... Ha- and has been doing so yes, for many, many years. In greater fashion. So it's not apples to apples, It's but nonetheless, uh, these various packages right now have been tied together as proposed by the president. Some lawmakers want to break them out. Support for Israel, one package. Support for Ukraine, another package. So they can be debated on their individual merits. House Speaker Mike Johnson did express optimism that aid packages in some form will pass through Congress in the near future. We have a sense of urgency about this, and there are deadlines on it as well. So I'm, I'm confident and optimistic that we'll be able to get that done, get it over the line. So we'll see. That's the debate in Washington. But tying it back into the experience that I had in New York, I thought it was so valuable, and I, I really salute the Greendale schools who had the band in the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. One of the the sites that they did visit in the you know in the off time that they had was they brought the the students to the 9/11 memorial, and then separately, so my band kid went with with them, and then separately we took our our son and our daughter, and my wife and I went to the memorial, and. I, th- I thought it was so important for them to do that for, for all of the reasons, not the least of which was they weren't alive then. Right. Right. <laughs> right? So they've heard mom and dad talk about it. Maybe they, you know, talk about mm-hmm. it on September 11th. And this was the day that this happened. But in, it helped give them some perspective. Yeah. And one component of the memorial is to take you through that day. You visited, right? I have. It's an amazing facility. So we did at the front end, we did a, a guided tour. Okay. And the tour was really more about the memorial itself, how it was built, who was involved in it. This is where this is. This is what this symbolizes. This is why we put this here, um, which was fine. And I thought that was interesting and educational, but I was more, more in need of my kids to go through the day and to see the video archives and to see the, the artifacts, the beams that were twisted mm-hmm. and right, the letters and things that were written by victims, all of that stuff. So we did spend some time in that, and one of the pieces was this timeline that takes you back to the war in Afghanistan between the Soviets and the Afghanis and the American support for the Afghan side and how that sort of started. And, you know, my kids were talking about that, and I'm like, but do you see, do you see we're still fighting the same wars? That was a proxy war between the U.S. and Russia in a faraway land. And what's happening right now? The same thing. Proxy war between the U.S. and Russia happening this time in Eastern Europe. And then at the same time, the same inflammations of the Middle East, the struggle between Judaism and Islam, American support for Israel versus, you know, what other people want in the region, all the other players in that region who are involved. We're fighting the same wars. I don't, I don't know if there's a different approach we need to take, like, or do we just get sucked back into doing the same stuff? It's interesting how that works. But I'm glad we saw that, and it just occurred to me in that way that, you know, as much as things change, some things always stay the same. 823 on Wisconsin's Morning News. (laughs) 828 on Wisconsin's Morning News. Vince, he played in the major leagues for more than 20 years. 
from 1953 to 1964. He was an All-Star 17 times and a Hall of Famer, as well as governor of the great state of Wisconsin. I'm talking about Governor Warren Spahn. How about that? Yeah. <laughs> I don't remember. I don't remember Warren Spahn having been in politics. <laughs> The story getting some legs uh, started over the weekend, and then it moved in yesterday into some of the other outlets. Wisconsin right now is the first to have it. That Governor Evers has been using an alternative state email account under the name of the late Hall of Fame pitcher Warren Spahn. What is it, like a .gov or .wi? Yeah. Or what? so it's warren.spahn at wisconsin.gov. <laughs> <laughs> And okay. the idea behind this, actually, the idea behind it doesn't surprise me. And I guess Governor Walker did something similar. He didn't use Warren Spahn. He used Ray Nitschke. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Ray dot, <laughs> Curly dot Lambo at WI.gov. No, uh, Walker used one according to the paper. Journal Sentinel has it. Um, well, it was like his middle name or something. Kevin. Je- Je- Kevin dot right. Scott at Walker.gov or, or at Wisconsin.gov. Anyway, the idea behind him is to, like, clear all some of the clutter. It can be more of a... A personal use state email account that you can kind of go back and forth with, like your higher execs or whoever you so need right. To. You're trying to plan a meeting with your cabinet or whatever. Here's the agenda for this, that, or the other. They want that <laughs> circulating out so it's not part of the larger email that has constituent email in there. Now, for those of you wondering, though, well, wait a minute. Yeah, if yes. they use this different yes. email and no one knows um, about although this it other sounds email, doesn't like make it more possible? Those who needed to know knew that, like Walker had this former email and that. Governor Evers used Warren Spahn. So what you're talking about is when guys like us say, I want to see all the emails that mention American Family Field. Open records request, yeah. Brewers that came between Governor Evers and Speaker Voss, for example. Yes. Because we want to know what was going on behind the scenes. And then you say, I, I have a right under the Freedom of Information Act to have yeah. these things. Yeah. They have to provide those documents. But if all those you. emails were not under Tony Evers, but rather Warren No one would Spahn. think to ask for Warren Spahn's emails and correspondence with the Speaker. Understood. So yeah, so that's kind of where it gets a little loose. But his administration is saying, as did the previous, that no, no, no. If you ask for the emails between... The governor, whatever, you get those But how two. would you know to ask for them? Well, yes. some, some in the know likely knew, I guess, is a way, one way to argue that. Um, I guess Ronnie.Belliard at Wisconsin.gov was already... <laughs> how did you pick Ronnie Belliard <laughs> out there? I like that idea better of it being just like randoms. Not Warren Spahn, the 300-game winner of the Milwaukee Braves era. Well, what about, like, why did it have to be a sports guy, too? Like... A classic spoiler. Couldn't you do like top dog at wi.gov? Or Ooh, top dog. Big dog. Okay. Or, or like Tony.Evers1. Tony.Evers2. Picklechamp.wi.gov. <laughs> he likes to play pickleball. Governor yes, does. Yes, yes. That would have been a good one. Pokeboy at wi.gov. We're going to poke on an But what about like sports nicknames? Like magic.man at wisconsin.gov. <laughs> like that would have been a great one. Grave.digger <laughs> at wisconsin.gov. <laughs> okay. See, we'll have to do an open run. Well, maybe those were all taken by (laughs) previous governors and various other administrators. Tommy Thompson was using that one. (laughs) (laughs) Stick it to them, .wi.gov. 8.32 on Wisconsin's Morning News. Sean.went at wi.com. How about that?
20 minutes before 9 o'clock on Wisconsin's Morning News. Why is today's show doing most hated TV characters? Is there some sort of thing going on in that? I think it's just filler. <laughs> Until Megan Trainer comes back on. <laughs> <laughs> Who else is always on that show? Oh, besides a couple Trainer. of regulars. Yeah, she's You're always on the Megan Trainer. She, because she, I swear she has a contract because she's out there singing on the Today's Show. I've seen her in a bit on Today's Show. On the Plaza. Oh, she'll be on before the end of the year. Which, again, if you've never been to New York and actually walked by it's there. tiny. So much smaller than you think, as are a lot of things in New York City. No, it's just funny because they had a picture of Caillou. If you have kids of a certain age, man, I can't remember if that was a Nickelodeon or which one that was. Or was Caillou, was, was Caillou public television? See Channel 10? <laughs> You're asking the wrong So your person. kids are younger my, than mine, so oldest, he might have been out. My oldest could have matched your youngest, but I don't know. I don't recall seeing that show. If Caillou was in the wheelhouse of your kids, I bet you have the same take on him as I do. That whiny little brat. <laughs> Couldn't stand that show. All that kid did was complain. And then they had it was like narrated by Caillou's mom. Well, Caillou was angry. Well, did he ever learn anything? Was it like a lesson? No, because he did, was up to his same antics next time around. <laughs> Caillou didn't want to give up his why, toys. Why would you let your kids watch me, me, me. He just whined and stuff. You're like, boy, the last thing kids need to hear is more whining. <laughs> right. Why are we enhancing that? Don't enable our children. Caillou didn't want to talk about the next topic. He wanted to do whatever he wanted to do. He didn't want hmm. to do it. Okay. Sounds awful. So that's my take on Caillou. <laughs> I'm glad you morning. agree with the Today Show. Hey, talk about Giving Tuesday here for a second because today is – people do their charity in a lot of different ways. I feel like everybody gives to something. Yeah. And some people are super committed to their their church or their temple or mosque or whatever it is, and you go that route with things. And many people are involved more in one charity than they are another. Mm -hmm. For me, Special Olympics was mine for so yeah. many years mm -hmm. and, and still is. I remain committed to them and connected with them. But on Giving Tuesday, it, you know, it's kind of one of those days where you focus on. We just had the Black Friday, and we had Cyber, we had Small Business Saturday, and then we had Cyber Monday, and it was spending all this money on each other and on ourselves. Thirty-seven billion dollars. And so this Giving Tuesday push started years ago. Of like, hey, how about take a quick break here, since we got a whole bunch of money to throw around. Yeah. Like let's let's throw it at something important. And so many of the charities and the nonprofits have gotten on board here by making it extra worth your while. They'll find some other donor who might match. Dollar for dollar, up to $100, whatever it is that you give um, might kind of double your donation. So it's a really great day to focus on that. At WTMJ, we're this morning talking about local organizations and their efforts to improve the lives of people whom they're helping. For us and for WTMJ now, that's Steve's show coming up. We are talking about Penfield Children's Community Center. They provide a whole bunch of services for children with differing abilities, and they provide uh, behavior clinics, early education services, special care nursery, and more. And if you want to help Penfield Children's Center, you can text the word GIVE to the Old National Bank Talk and Text Line. That is 855-616-1620. And if you choose to donate, we'd love for you to write WTMJ in the comments section. You can do it .com, too. I'm .com right now. If you write WTMJ in the comments section, that lets the folks at Penfield know that uh, came from us. Our morning news and WTMJ now, our Giving Tuesday promotion is Penfield Children's Community Center. In the afternoon, they're getting behind Capco Kids to Kids. Yep. Capco's great. Yep. So we'll hear about that with Jeff Wagner mm -hmm. and Wisconsin's Afternoon News as well. But Giving Tuesday is today if you are so inclined, and we hope you are. 844 on Wisconsin's Morning News. Forty-eight on Wisconsin's morning news. Some fascinating new information coming out from 
Former Vice President Mike Pence, who has since dropped out of the presidential race for 2024. Yeah, ABC uh, with some uh, interesting nuggets about what was happening pre-January 6th. What more have we still not heard about? And you all recall what did happen. He was not going to stop the certification, as was what he said. Look, I can't. Constitutionally, I I cannot stop the certification. And then, of course, we saw what happened there at the Capitol. So now we're learning a little bit about what was happening in the days leading up to January 6th. Sources tell ABC that investigators asked the former vice president about handwritten notes he had taken in the days leading up to January 6th that reveal Pence had briefly decided not to preside over the certification of the election. Not feeling like I should attend electoral count, Pence wrote in his notes in late December. Too many questions, too many doubts, too hurtful to my friend. Yeah, so he he had written down a note, and this has all apparently been interviewed. He's been asked about this by the special prosecutor. Um, he said, I don't think I should attend. I'm just going to skip it because that way I, I avoid the fray. And according to what he told investigators, Pence was sitting across the table from his son, a Marine, while they were on vacation in Colorado. His son said to him, Dad, you took the same oath I took. It's an oath to support and defend the Constitution. That's what he told investigators, and that's what led him to then go and certify the election as he did. Believing it was his duty. Like yeah. what, because what was being asked of him of former President Trump was, no, you don't have to certify anything. You can just decide right. to certify these alternate slate of, slates of electors that are going to come in. And it's up to you as vice president. You have that authority as to which slate of electors that you get to choose. And that were Pence, not only in his own mind and heart, but also in seeking legal counsel independent of that mm-hmm. of the president, the advice that he was getting. He didn't believe that was a constitutional authority granted to the vice president. Former VP Pence told investigators looking into the attack on the U.S. Capitol that Donald Trump had surrounded himself with, quote, crank lawyers, that he had espoused un-American theories and uh, and almost pushed the country into a constitutional crisis. He will ultimately end up on the stand. Pence will likely be a key witness at the federal interference trial testifying under oath on the witness stand. That trial is now scheduled for early March, just over three months from now. ABC's Jonathan Carl. So here's what's even more interesting. So Pence, when he was talking with the special prosecutors, you know, the Matt Smiths of the world, they even got into his book. So he wrote a book about some of this stuff, you may recall. And they were asking him about comma placement, comma placement in his book. So here's what he wrote in his book. He told Trump, you know, comma, I don't think I have the authority to change the outcome of the election. But okay. Pence allegedly, according to ABC, Pence allegedly told investigators that the comma should have never been placed there. According to sources, Pence told Smith's investigators that he actually meant to write the, in his book, you know, I don't have the authority. So there'd be no comma, you know, I don't have. It'd be, you know, I don't have the authority to change it. Thus indicating that Trump did know yes, the that comma, he couldn't change it. The comma would indicate, like, I'm saying, you know, comma. as a matter of conversation. Yes, yeah. You know, Eric, it's supposed to rain yeah. today. And you may have no knowledge of what the forecast Correct. was. Right? Versus, you know it's going to rain today. Yes. And that's what, the, that's what they were talking about when he was being... Questioned by the special prosecution. That part is fascinating. Comma placement. Who threw that comma in there, though? Well, great point. Was that an editor that threw the comma in there? Said it sounded more conversational? I'm, 
I guess he'll Probably, be asked. He'll you know, be asked, "What did he mean?" Yeah. And then that so can anyway, come out though, in testimony. Like, this is this is massive, though. You're talking about a, the, the former vice president is going to testify, likely in March, against the guy that who was his boss, his friend, his compadre, about all of this. Eight fifty two, Wisconsin's morning news. WTMJ, W277-CV, and WKTI-HD2, Milwaukee. From the Annex Wealth Management Studios, this is News Radio WTMJ, a good karma brand station. Shut the hell up! the WTMJ forecast sponsored through the day by Dave Drake Camp Heating. Your comfort is their family's tradition. One more cold day here. High of just 27 degrees today. Mostly cloudy tonight, which will serve as a blanket, keeping some of that in. Low down to 24 with a chance of flurries. And then mostly sunny on Wednesday, back up to 40 degrees for the high. Joined now by WTMJ Now host Steve Scafidi. That's a guy who's read enough weather forecasts in his life to really know what he's talking about. Mm -hmm. Did you get the blanket one? That's good. Put that blanket on us. That's it. That was an Isnansky term. You always used to just nice. get that cloud cover. Keeps it traps the heat inside. You mean that we've generated Brian through Niz- the day? Nizansky now he's acting. Yeah, no, we no, talked no. about it. Nizansky has oh. his big role coming up—a walk-on role with. Yeah, you've the, done that, a Christmas right? Carol. I have. Yeah, you have. have. You done it? I have not. I have not done. Then no one has ever asked me to do anything like that. What it, a Christmas Carol does, and Christmas me. Carol opens this week. Great Milwaukee repertory classic at the Paps Theater. They invite. Every year, five or six people. Good-looking local celebrities is the way I put sure, it. Sure, okay. It's not always TV people, though. Who is it? Oh, like Dr. Margolis yeah, from uh, oh, Children's Wisconsin. Just an all-around good guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's he's among those who will have the walk-on role. Local celebrities. It's not that big a deal. Like, it's it's a big deal to your family and the few people that know that they should look for that person. It's towards the end, and someone, you know, you have a handler, and I say that literally in this case, my handler, who happened to be someone that I knew, so it was, it was fine, but she literally grabbed me and said, <laughs> we're walking this way now. Like, so it couldn't have been made any easier, but it was still really cool to feel like you were a part of that decades-long tradition. And I had the added bonus of, you know, both of my daughters were in a Christmas Carol cast at different times. They were both Cratchit kids. Please tell me you overacted. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I'm angry now. Walked I'm very happy. dramatically. Uh, hello. Yeah. Mm, yes. I think I had to ex- I think I dropped some money in a bucket or something like that or you know I had some sort of role in the background. Did you of the lament scene. about how you're spending money on everything? I right, everything well, I'm supposed to pay it. What is it? Giving Tuesday all over again. Hemorrhaging money again. <laughs> I had no lines. Acting is hard. (laughs) I've never been good at it. Just kind of goofing around. Never been good at it. We talked about it with Nisnansky because his walk-on role in A Christmas Carol is coming up Saturday night in that show if you want to see Niz. But I think in the history of the walk-ons, there's only one person who had a line, and that was Milan. Really? John John Milan said something about the weather. Makes sense. Somebody said something to him like, oh, it's nice weather today, and something along that line. But he did more than anybody else did. <laughs> he pulled him along. Right. He, he just ad-libbed. He came out in front. I <laughs> yeah. wonder what the reaction would be if you just ad-libbed a line, and they're all looking at you like, what did you just say? Well, can you imagine? Like, again, it's, it's not going to happen. But no. I, it did occur to me, like, all I wanted to do was not fall down. <laughs> like, just make sure mm-hmm. that, right. but for the people who came and knew I was going to be there, your family and whatever— Nobody else should really notice that I was here. And if they do, then we did something wrong. Hmm. Acting. <laughs> Acting. You're looking at me like you have something you want. <laughs> yeah, what's on your mind today, like, Bill? We're not done yet. I got one more thing up my sleeve. <laughs> no, we're good. Do you have okay. some audio to play? I should say oh, that. Oh, I out. always have audio. Oh, I'm play. sure you do. All right. 
WTMJ Now with Steve Scafidi is up next. First, we'll do the business headlines. Shut the hell up! With Milwaukee Business Journal's Rich Kirchin.